The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. The Garden Report. The Celtics are out of the in-season tournament. They are not going to Vegas. They are going to come back to Boston and look themselves in the mirror, Jimmy, after a second half of down. You're not going to Vegas either. I'm so uh, I'm so sorry to to see that. You looked looked like you even got a haircut. You were ready to go. Like you had your you probably had your Vegas outfit picked out too. Sherrod Blakely in the, the building hat was ready. The hat yeah, was ready. I was so torn coming in this one. I did a preview this morning with Caitlin, who's a great Celtics, uh, a great Pacers writer, and it felt like it was going to be a battle between the Celtics' ability to handle the ball and be competent on offense. Uh, versus the Pacers' inability to defend at all. And you saw both of those through different stretches in this game. The Celtics turned it up late in the second, um, took that almost ten double-digit lead there. And then the Pacers took advantage of Celtics' sloppiness. And frankly, Tatum and Brown playing completely disconnected basketball there in the third. Now, everyone's going to come at me and say, oh, Tatum had, what was his final stat line? Yeah, 32-12-6. Like but he got passive in that second half, even late, launching the threes. Didn't draw enough free throws. The Celtics only shoot 12 of those to Indiana's 21. When the Pacers come into this game allowing 28 a game, which was last in the NBA. So not a forceful enough effort. Didn't get the Pacers into mismatches nearly enough. And kept them within a possession for too much of this game. And you knew Indiana was going to come in and be able to rip off basket after basket after basket. And then we can get to crunch time, which was just a disaster for Boston here. But, Sherrod, this is a bad loss. Well, it's a bad loss. But, but Bobby, I think one of the things that we, we can't lose sight of was the Pacers just played better basketball. They played harder. They, I, To me, one of the most telling things wasn't so much what we saw on the court, but some of the things that were said before the game. Tyrese Halliburton is, is a really good player. He talked a lot before the game about how this was the biggest game of his pro career. He talked about it in the postgame. When the best player on a team is coming into a game with that mindset, he's going to figure out a way to be as close to the best version of himself as possible. And to be honest, I just didn't think Tatum and Brown and most of the Celtics played with the kind of sense of urgency you need to win a game like this. This is a tiny – to me, this is what happens when you go into a playoff series as a number one or number two seed and you're expected to put a team away in five or six games and they smack you in the face in game one. And then you have to recalibrate and figure out how to get regain home court advantage. And this is the type of team that they, they're going to see in the first round of the playoffs. To me, that's the lesson if you're the Boston Celtics you take away from this. We cannot, and by we I mean the Celtics, you cannot go into these games against teams you know they are going to be hyped to play you and just think you can get by with talent alone, particularly when you're on the road. They were way too cool breezy in this game. I felt that, Jimmy. I did too. And the Pacers, they're an under, underrated team right now. They play in Indy. They don't get a lot of star. You know, they're not getting the national televised games. They this, got was one this was Hal Burton's first TNT game ever in his first career. First which is hard to believe because this guy has been good for a, a while now, now. But now he's gone from, you know, good – to like if you're a casual like you 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 know the name Halliburton I think after tonight this is a yeah. one of his, this is a coming out party type game whether it was the three pointers whether it was the floaters uh, man he just went to another level in the second half there and um, that four point play in the fourth my goodness. oh backbreaker that was unreal yeah then when that fell I couldn't believe it 
Um, so a lot of energy from the Pacers. Neesmith doing his thing out there, running all over the place. I think he had a dunk as well. Um, Halliburton, Turner's getting involved. You know, the, the Pacers, I think they played a different type of basketball in the second half. I don't know what Carlisle said to them at halftime, but they, they were probably they were probably time. a little soft in the first half. And Four. I think Carlisle said, listen, if you guys are going to play soft, this Celtics team will beat you because they can play soft too and they can out-talent you, right? They can score a bit more than you guys can. If you're not going to make them work, if you're not going to bang down low, if you're not going to be energetic and run up and down the court and, and make them work harder – they'll run you out the building. And so the Pacers came out harder in the second half. Of course, Halliburton went into dummy mode and he hit some big shots there, but it wasn't just him. It was healed. My guy McConnell was getting crafty out there at times and, and, and you know, confusing guys out there. It was a, it was a great all-around team effort from Pacers. Mm-hmm. They deserved it tonight. The Celtics, I think, thought that maybe they could just win on talent. And yeah. it, it's like mixed, it's like almost like mixed messages. I mean, the way that, the way that they won the last game, where they won by what thirty, and they were kind of like complaining about the. They fact won by fifty. Fifty, yeah, they were, right. yeah, whatever it was. <laughs> it and, was a lot of points. Yeah, and they and they had to, and they complained about you know having to run up the score and this that and the other thing. I'm talking about the in season game, the last in season game against yeah. the Bulls. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, it's just different. It's different dynamics, you know. It's it's different mentalities. What did I see the Pacers do at the end of the game? At the end of the game tonight, Sherrod? What did Buddy Hield? What did Buddy Hield do? He wasn't worried about messing with the basketball gods and all this stuff. It's a killer. He's going out there. Yeah, I'm going to hit the damn shot. See you guys. You guys just got eliminated. Peace. And then you he saw the Jalen with his Brown. jaw dropped. <laughs> yeah, we got Jalen Brown in and He's Andrew like, Hamilton crying about you know winning by too much. Meanwhile, the Pacers just freaking shot one in your eye. It just said, said see you later. Get the hell off the court. And you so know what? Mentality. I'm not mad at Buddy for doing that. I'm not I'm, either. I'm, I'm glad that he did. It's I'm, a mentality check. Exactly. It was funny. It's like, look, not only have we whipped your ass, but I'm just going to just twist the like, I need extra points tonight. I'm confused. Yeah, thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to be it, laughing it, about this on the flight to Vegas tonight. And if, then and they if came I'm storming just, out on the court. It was crazy. This was a big good. deal for them. Yeah. This was a major, major moment for them. And and again, as, as someone who has worked with Rick Carlisle and knows how he operates, I guarantee you that whatever success they have going forward, they're going to look back at this game as the turning point. They're going to look back at the way their second half in this game completely changed their season. If they wind up being like a top three, top four seed in the East, this second half that we saw tonight is going to be what they're going to point to as a catalyst because that is when they finally figured out and started playing with the same or a similar level of focus and intensity and effort defensively what they've been doing offensively. It's a meaningful it's game. They, I mean, we, we don't think it is, right? Oh, we didn't we didn't think it was. I think well, we've, some of us have probably been. Well, the, and the Celtics players, not just but, us, Jimmy, the Celtics players did not really put a whole lot. I mean, they were basically kind of, yeah, whatever, about this whole tournament thing. Right. Pretty much every time they've been asked about it. I mean, cool from for school, Jaylen, maybe, a little bit. Yeah. Well, for them, it, it's something that is in the way of their ultimate goal, which is to win an NBA title. For them, this, this tournament, even if they won the tournament, they would say all the, the politically correct things about it, but their goal even then would be to still win an NBA title. Whereas if you're the Indiana Pacers, this is part of the building blocks that you want to have towards being a title contender because you know you're not there now. They know this, but this tournament is a step in the right direction for a young. Believe. 
Yeah, and, and that's half the battle. And, and, and again, knowing Rick Carlisle, I think that's a big part of what he really was laying out to them, that, look, this is part of our journey. This is part of our growth to being a great team. We've got to find a way to win this tournament. And they're saying in a way that they don't think that this tournament is that big a deal. We're going to show them it means something. It means something to us. And, damn it, we got to go out there and take it. That's yeah. the kind of mindset that those guys had and they played with. And somebody tweeted this to me. And it's not a complete comparison, but it's – Similar mindset to elimination game in a way. What I mean by elimination game is from the playoffs. I mean, obviously getting eliminated from the tournament and the playoffs are different, different beasts, but you want to create healthy habits. You want to find yourself in these certain situations that you can mimic later on, whether it's in the playoffs or deep in this season or other big games. And yeah, I'll say this about the in-season tournament. It makes a, a regular season game in early December more meaningful and more interesting and more fun. And it gives you a little bit more reason to get angry or get fired up if you're not only a player, but if you're a fan. So I will stand corrected a little bit in that. I still don't think the, the fact that like the prize is the prize doesn't really do it for me, but I, it does make the game like the, the benefit to everybody else is that it makes the games more interesting. But for a player, it puts you in a situation that you might find yourself in in the playoffs in a big game moment, right? In a, in a elimination type atmosphere on the road, hostile environment against an up and coming team. Like you said, Sherrod, this is a classic, like first round matchup situation as, mm -hmm. as it stands now. I mean, shit, who knows? The Pacers could go on a run here, but um, that's kind of the vibe I got tonight. And it felt like the Pacers or and again, Halle Burton leading the way. They just, they were just able to sort of like, use like their own energy and momentum to carry them through those last few minutes of that fourth quarter where it looked like the Celtics weren't going to go down completely quietly. Um, but they just kept their foot on the gas right there. There's just, there was just a different sense of urgency uh, by Indiana down the stretch. And, and I know some people want to say, maybe, it, you know, this is like, you know, game seven of a playoff series. This was not a game seven playoff series approach by either team. I don't think, uh, Indiana played what they played their game without any type of pressure it seemed in the second half. Uh, and the Celtics just played too cool. Uh, I, this to me, this felt more like game one. Celtics felt pretty deep into their bench, too. Well, yeah, but this felt more like a game one Bowser. of the playoff series only because yeah. it, it felt like the Celtics were the team that played as if they, you know, they knew that home court advantage was theirs going in, and Indiana played like a team that wanted to steal it. And that to me, uh, is what this ultimately came down to. Indiana wanted this game more than Boston. There, to me, you can look at all the stats and, and all the turnovers and, 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 you know, analytics you want to, but the bottom line, Indiana wanted to win this thing way more than the Celtics did. Uh, and that, to me, is the disturbing and concerning part about this uh, because this was as close to having a playoff-like atmosphere as you could have in the regular season. And the Celtics, in their first crack at it, treated it as if it were, you know, just a normal regular season game um, that we got. And, and that, to me, it defeats the purpose of getting to the knockout round. If you want to, I mean, hell, if you, if that's how you wanted to treat it, just beat Chicago by 15 or 17 and not play your guys major minutes and not be in this whole knockout thing. All right, um, you had four days off over five days going into this one, too, and Tatum yeah, got the fourth quarter off on Friday. So rest of the like you took the fourth quarter off for most of this game, too. <laughs> preparedness not an issue here the fourth quarter was bad the third quarter lost in the game and i'm sure that's what joe's gonna say uh, but pull up threes tough fadeaways for tatum too he made that one over neesmith 
Uh, turnovers, of course, too. The issue right. throughout this game. Even White got a little loose with the ball in this one. And he had the giveaway before Neesmith's pretty much door slamming uh, dunk there at the end. So, yeah, we mentioned I, this right here, this comment. It was actually Heald who took the shot. Yeah, it was Buddy Heald who had this. Yeah. yeah. But to answer the question, dude, I'm completely fine with it. It's a tournament game. These guys are fired up. I think the Celtics, Celtics can't complain about have that attitude more often. Celtics yeah. want to. Celtics want to complain when they when they score too much. You know, they what are they going to complain when the other <laughs> I, team does it too? Yeah. I, I had, I, yeah, I had no problems with the Celtics running things up early this year. I have no problem with with Indiana doing that. Indiana already had the game one, and the way, here's the thing about it: I don't believe Buddy Hill was trying to score at the very end because remember he had the ball with about three seconds left and he just raised up and I and I oh, no for shot. him to shoot it, he looks so uncertain <laughs> about doing it. He seemed he a little like, un- exactly. I don't think he, he was, was just like high. F it. Yeah, uh, Jimmy, thank you. I bet when he hit the shot. The he looked he looks pretty happy when he hit the shot. Shot. I well, think when he, he hit the around, shot, it was just like it's that kind of night for me. It's yeah. that kind well, of night for me. It was crew. almost like he was trying to find that that sweet spot where if it goes in, it counts. If it doesn't, right, it right. Count. So I want to go back and watch because there was chirping throughout this game. I love Smith it. fouled. Yeah, Derek White was chirping. Neesmith followed Tatum on the sideline. You saw O'Shea and Lamar uh, screaming at Neesmith right before Neesmith went off uh, to close that game. Neesmith did the two small, I think, to Jalen, right? Uh, after yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he did the he did the two small after he uh, he, he scored on uh, on Derek White. And Derek White said something back right, to Derek him. White, yeah. started, started chirping, but uh, but yeah. Joe Mazzula, my guy. Joe Mazzula on the heel three. I don't care. I could care less. See, Joe, boom, we there. Didn't, didn't matter. Joe, Joe, Joe's got bigger, bigger issues right He's now. Got bigger so this things. is what's gonna annoy he me about this. He game. would look super petty if he if he complained about exactly. it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I don't think Joe has much ground to stand at. He just did hack a drum in a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so yeah. What's gonna frustrate what I mean. me? There you go. What's going to frustrate me about this game is the Celtics are probably just going to shrug it off. And I said the same thing after Orlando. This should be important to Boston, not because they need the 500K or that the trophy's going to mean a ton. Every step along the way, on the way to the finals, on the way to the championship matters. And we're starting to see the Celtics stumble off their hot start here. Once again, a bad three-point shooting night. Can't overcome it offensively. Missing free throws again. Turn the ball over 18 times. They're loose, they're disconnected, and they're inconsistent right now offensively in a way that has them looking below average on that end. Now, Friday against Philadelphia, they figured it out late, but that was another bad game for them of late. Uh, We can just run it back. All those recent games, aside from the Chicago one, which was a dead team walking on the other side, Mm -hmm. have pretty much been lackluster offensive efforts for the Celtics. 113 against the Hawks, that was a fine win. Bad night against the magic that bucks win was fine bad night against the hornets bad night against the grizzlies bad night against the raptors so they've been stacking these up of late and their offense just keeps sinking lower and lower the defense has been fine i didn't love it in this game but we're looking at offensive issues for this team right now and obviously porzingis is out and that's a big factor but brown and tatum at the point of attack just aren't playing well right now as the playmakers for this team i don't care how many points they score they're not going to get it done just focusing on scoring. And the other players miss out when they just have their head down looking to score like this. But you know what? Here's the, the, the one guy that I, I think we're, we're completely you know, ignoring who 
I got this weird feeling. He's got some health things going on. It's Derek White. He did not look like himself in the second he half. And his I mean, ankle the yeah. second half. Yeah. And, and I mean, I mean, think about this. Derek White had five turnovers. Derek White, of all the guys that can stack up the turnovers, you know he's the least likely to do that. Something physically has to be wrong for him to have a game like that. And and I, to me, I, I don't think that point should be overlooked or diminished. The fact that he was not himself. Because I do believe if Derek White didn't have that ankle, I don't know if the Celtics would have won this game, but they damn sure wouldn't have went out the way they did, uh, yeah. where they just got ran out the gym at basically the last two and a half, three minutes of the game. Uh, Derek White, is, is he's the glue guy for this team. He's the w- one guy that they can't ill afford to not be close to his, his peak play. Because those other guys, you know, Tatum, I mean, think about it. Tatum had 30 what, 32 points and they lost? Jaylen, him and Jalen Brown combined for damn near 60 points and they lost. But to me, the, the guy that really, whose play, I wouldn't say hurt them the most, but certainly they needed him to be closer to his usual self than he was today is Derek White. Five turnovers, that's just not Derek White basketball. Um, yeah. and, I know it, and, I, and I know it had to do with the ankle because we've seen enough of Derek White to know that he's not going to turn the ball over and make five mental errors out there if there's not some physical dynamic involved. That's just not what he's been about. So um, he absolutely gets a pass. Uh, but I hope that he's, he's better. He, to me, that's the, the silver lining in all this. You've got a lot of days before you have to step out on the court. And not only for Brazilians to get healthy, but also for guys like Derek White get some time down. Yeah, I agree, Sherrod. It's like we spoke about on the Big Three podcast, right? I mean, that was my X factor going into this game it because was, when you're was. shorthanded without first pass Porzingis and the Indiana Pacers are clicking on offense the way I've been, you know, the way they have been entering this one, you needed him to sort of level things, you know, when, when the Celtics needed it, especially when Tatum and Brown couldn't find their offense, it seemed like. But in that second half, especially in that second half, I, I just feel like Derek just didn't have it. And the, the Pacers, they knew that. I, I feel like they knew. I mean, he was the one guy that was not only – uh, attacking the rim a lot in that first half, but he was also that guy who was cutting, you know, getting those those uh, yeah. easy looks down low. And I feel like once that was taken away, and you can credit the Pacers as well because they did uh, adjust the paint because that those two uh, back-to-back alley-oops to, to Luke Cornett, that didn't sit well with anybody in Indy. So I felt like they were like, okay, we got to fix that. And I think they did that in a big way in the second half. And and then, uh, you know, when, when Tatum got going, it was just sort of like, and he was doing a good job getting to the free throw line, but when the Pacers got out, on that fast break over and over again between Halliburton, between them getting stops, the Celtics turnovers, man, the Celtics had 14 turnovers going into the fourth quarter and 40 seconds into the fourth, they turned the ball over right then and there. Not only did I think the Celtics had a chance to lose this, but the Indiana Pacers was like, Oh man, we, we can't Jaylen had that one out of time. We out did not miss on this yeah. golden opportunity, man. They didn't, they cashed in, in the fourth. And Pacers didn't really turn it over at all tonight. I think they had six. They finished with six. Yeah, six. There you go. So the, t- the the turnover differential was huge tonight for them. I mean, you have to be more careful with the ball. Their you know, balance of being able to play that fast and that aggressive and not turn the ball over is impressive. Definitely. And they've been doing yeah. it all year. Yeah. They, they caught the Celtics off guard tonight. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what frustrates you out of this one. This Celtics offense is supposed to be right up there with theirs. Teams have been scoring 140, 150 against this team like it's nothing, and you put up 112. We'll get uh, We'll move shot- on. They shot horribly tonight, Bobby. I mean, 29% from, from three. And when you turn the ball over 18 times, it's well, going to yeah. happen too. So I want to give a quick shout-out to FanDuel before we continue. Love them right now. I hate to say it, Jimmy, 
Pacers money line would have been a good one tonight. Given how hot they bucks. came into this game. I was so nervous about this one for personal reasons, obviously, but also just in general. <laughs> Bobby's not going to Vegas. Damn. <laughs> I know you tired. Damn. So if you bet the Pacers tonight, you're very happy. And if you use this code here, fanduel.com slash Boston, you got $150 in bonus bets on top of that big win. Uh, so that's the direction I probably would have gone on in going into this one, at least from an odd standpoint. Score early. This NFL season with FanDuel. You know it's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Look, if you're not good at math, you, you even you know that's a good deal. I mean, I'm not good at math, and I, I know that's a good deal. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel. Official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go, folks. Now pay attention to this. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support, play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Uh, yeah, not a good week for Pats, Celtics so far. Uh, maybe the Red Sox can make a splash or something, Jimmy. I don't know. but I don't think Shohei is coming. Let's get to Neesmith. I want to talk a little bit more about him because we got to do a crash. He was quiet early. Yeah, I think he was one of three through 19 minutes. Then he gets that charge take on White, which was a huge play. I want to see what the score was when he did that. Uh, It was definitely one possession game. Um, Great positioning underneath. There was no doubt about it. Uh, And then Pacers went on a little bit of a run after that. Matherin hit a three. Uh, Heald hit that three after Cornette's block that bounced out to him. And the Pacers went up nine uh, late in the third there and end the quarter up eight. Heading into the fourth. So that was a big mountain for the Celtics to have to climb after a 15 3 Pacers run. But it all started with uh, an offensive foul by White driving into Neesmith. Neesmith blocked Tatum later. And then to close this game, he had a really nice look at a three that would have uh, put it away even earlier, but he missed it. Comes back with that dunk over White. Um, bunch of different layups in the lane, some real craftiness driving to the rim uh, against some mm-hmm. aggressive closeouts by the Celtics. And then that exclamation point dunk there. Tough defense. He's their best defender. He's drawn the most uh, daunting assignments on the other side. And you can see the chip on his shoulder. We heard it when we interviewed him here in Boston before that game that they played here. Uh, he just was very short, very frank, not sentimental at all. And then you could see in the game, like turn to the crowd, yelling at them, the chipping, chirping with the bench in this one, chirping on the floor, and then that big exclamation point dunk. He, he's trying to show that this is always what he was capable of, and the Celtics just didn't give him an opportunity there. He said it over and over again. All I needed was a chance, consistent minutes, consistent run. He's getting it here in Indiana and showing what he's capable of. I'm yeah, not, I'm not, Bobby, I'm not buying that. I'm not he's buying that. He, he got an opportunity. He just didn't make the most of it. He got small opportunities. 
Well, it, that's a small opportunity. Last I checked, what are you under the silo of opportunity? Yeah, man. But when, when you play his role to come in for ten minutes and take two shots, but you know what you do, Bobby? When you come in for ten minutes, you actually make plays to get twelve minutes. The next he time. did that and though, didn't he? Fifteen. Yeah, and then, but Bobby, then he was eighteen. Twenty. Yeah, Bob, you're making it sound like this is like a, a Chauncey Billups situation. He was traded his rookie season. I mean, this guy, he had a couple summers in Boston, no? No, he did. I, I kind of lean with Bobby. I feel like they didn't give him enough consistent right. opportunities. We talked he about this all the time. If he can't be DNP, then he would come in and play like 15 minutes off the bench, and he would try to do too much because he was trying to earn his time all, all in one, one game. So I'm not saying he had the right maybe approach, but I don't think the Celtics – and it's not just Neesmith. I mean, they've had issues developing a lot of the guys that they've drafted over the last decade, and he's just another one of them. And and the other thing was he was just on a team that there wasn't an opportunity. You know, obviously, when you go to the Pacers, that opportunity is there. When you when you jump into the Celtics, they, they had a team with championship aspirations, and he couldn't crack that rotation. So that's just the way it but went. But that's the bigger issue. The fact is the guys that were ahead of him were better. And in Indiana, yeah. the guys that are ahead of him – there really aren't that many guys ahead of him. <laughs> His rookie year, I don't know. What do you mean? You're going to make him a starter? What do you? I don't. I don't get. I that. was. I was a huge Neesmith fan. Developed. I mean, Neesmith played for one of Neesmith played at Vanderbilt for one of my all-time favorite players I've covered, Jerry Stackhouse. Jerry is oh, a little dude. bit of an edge guy. Plays with a little bit of edge to him. And so Neesmith, I'm like, I'm all in for Neesmith. But the problem I had with him is when he got a few minutes, he did not maximize those minutes. Here are that the guys who played ahead of him his rookie year. Okay. Romeo Langford, Semi Ojale, Grant Williams, Jeff Teague, Peyton Pritchard, Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, Evan Fournier. So some of those guys, like, so you're talking about veterans. You're talking about guys who, at his position, were more seasoned and more impactful. No, I get it, and I was saying they should at the time, but no, I was wrong. I don't know if Romeo fits in that category either. So that no, you've got one out of like what six guys you just named that he's probably he probably should have played. Romeo, Shemi, he could have started played over them. Plus, this Not is a Shemi. contending. Yes, this is a contending. Like at that, at that time, Jimmy. You Not forget that though. At that time though, Jim. Uh, That's Jim, how you develop, guys. Jimmy was like the if you're playing the Bucks, he's gonna give you some minutes against uh, Giannis. Like he was just that was sort of his role. He didn't really have a role, but if he had one, fantasize Shemmy here. He was, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, at least he's he was the Giannis stopper, Jimmy. Yeah, at least he carved out a. a uh, role, or at least not even not a role. What, what I think we, at least we, he carved out a, a, an assignment. When did when did uh, and well, here's the thing. Josue, here's the thing. Shimmy was an eight to ten minute guy too. Can't do Shimmy until he carved out a role for himself <laughs> to get more minutes. Hey, hey, Shimmy was a good dude. The story of that year was very clear. I sat here. Several of us sat here and said they got to go for it. They got to win. They got to try and make the most of the season. And the season had no hope in retrospect because it wasn't a good team. In retrospect and i'm sure they would admit it too they probably should have focused on development they probably should have focused on getting mm-hmm. these guys minutes that year and to john's credit he was saying it the whole way because it was semi uh romeo and whoever ahead of him and fournier jeff who teague. i was completely wrong about too jeff teague yeah i mean brad was obsessed with veterans on that team true he was so that's Definitely. where it went yeah. sideways for neesmith a little bit there early on and then year two Ime comes in, and you know, I thought Ime gave him some chances, and that team had a lot more at stake once they got rolling there. So that's where you disappear if you're him. It's half and half, right? They didn't give him enough opportunity. He didn't make a ton of those opportunities, and now he's 
gotten better in Indiana. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he wasn't capable of doing these dribble drives here in Boston. And uh, hey, good for him. You know, I don't think – I think most of us agreed, like, hey, this was bound to happen most places, right? Maybe he didn't get the, the – He needed this. This wasn't the fit for him in Boston, but that, that happens with a lot of players. But I don't think it's enough for us to say, like, you know, he's going to turn into – you get what I'm saying? Like, it, there's a – there's like a talent gap or level, right? If, if he's to, to become a, a fringe all-star or so, then you can say, okay, well, the Celtics really dropped the ball there. But I don't think we, I don't think that's what we're dealing with here, you know? But, hey, I'm happy for him. I don't think this is a uh, – I don't know if, if it would have panned out the same here in Boston, especially with the with the guys above him and, and the way they were divvying up minutes last season or the last two seasons, rather. Yeah, this, well, this, yeah, this is a little different than moving up in a draft to draft Kelly Olenek and seeing Giannis Antetokounmpo go two spots later. So right, right. It's a little different. When there's something like that, then then we can have a conversation. Now we have, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Boston's bench because Neesmith comes off, has a big night off uh, Indiana's bench in this one. Sam it Housen. was Boston's bench that. Hausman. Yeah, he was he was good. They didn't get much else off the bench here tonight. Um, That's been the story most most of the season. I've liked how they've played coming into this one, but Banton gets the first look early. Same deal. Interesting. Not much of a shot maker. You pointed that out last show, Sherrod, that he's starting to get in the mix there with Pritchard. Pritchard plays most of the second half, goes 0 for 5. Cornette, everyone's going crazy in the chat. He had that really nice run in the first half. This is a tough matchup for him. He has to switch everything just because of how the Pacers play offensively. And I thought he did a decent job uh, given how tough of a matchup this is for him. You couldn't have played Kata in this one. So there's really not much to complain about with Porzingis out. But your bench wasn't good enough tonight, and you just got blown off the floor in the third quarter. And a big reason is they went back to that Brown lineup late in the third, and then they go one yeah. for seven with three turnovers over a stretch where the Pacers shoot ahead and take a big lead into the fourth. So this is a real problem here. And I'm in the John chair, so I guess I have to do it. Brown can't lead these bench units, and it's a huge problem. He's just not capable of it right now he had a really bad season last year doing it they got away from it a little bit this year and then with white and uh holiday struggles in this game it really got pronounced that stretch in the second half where he's out there with the second unit i, I don't even know what to say about jalen right now anymore like when he's out there with the full complement of players he's gonna get his by just kind of you know finding his cuts and uh, hitting threes if he's capable of doing that or you know rolling sometimes which isn't a big part of his game but otherwise, he just doesn't have a lot of opportunities in this offense unless he's just taking the ball and running and shooting, which he did in that second half early. And he got blocked twice, missed another shot inside, took another really bad leaning shot from the elbow uh, right out of halftime. So, again, 30 points looks great, but I didn't think he played well in this one. He had zero assists and three turnovers. No, he, he wasn't. I mean, the thing about this game, Jalen did not play great. I, I, I admit that. I acknowledge that. But he wasn't the reason why they lost. Uh, he was part of the reason, uh, but he was not the sole reason. And sometimes I think we lean on him a little bit too heavily with that regard. They have to figure out how to make him an impact player without him having to necessarily score to do so. Uh, I I like when he's on the floor with a Sam Hauser who gives him a legitimate option to pass to who can actually knock down shots i'd like to see those two play more together and remember bobby and we talked about this a few weeks ago the one guy who seemed to be bringing out the good Jalen more often than not was porzingis 
Yes. That's the one guy that I think mm-hmm. if you, the more those two play together, I think we'll see more and more of the good Jalen. As long as Porzingis is out, Jalen, I think, without even realizing it, reverts back to some of the bad habits that but he let's had. say it again, and this is another thing I said when they traded for Porzingis. We can't sit here in May and say, oh, Porzingis was out. They lost, but he, they would have won if he played. Because that's what you get with Porzingis. He's hurt all the time. So they have to be able to figure out how to function offensively without him out there. And well, they've missed how many games has he missed now? What is it? Three. Yeah, man. So don't, don't be pushing that narrative, as uh, Jason Tatum would say. Not this year, at least, but it, it so far it hasn't hasn't been as bad as, as you know, no. He's he's been bad. relatively healthy to start the right. year, but it wasn't surprising that he got hurt. No, but what the the thing is, the Celtics, the the more games that he isn't healthy enough to play, the more crystal clear it becomes how important he is for them to win. They can win some games without him, without question. They've, they've proven that. But over the course of an extended period of time, like we're talking five, six, seven, eight games, they're going to drop a couple of those games in large part because they won't have him on the floor, not just because of what he does from a production standpoint, but the domino effect that his presence has for those around him. Jalen Brown specifically is a better player when Chris Porzingis is in the lineup. It has – the eye test, the stats test, Jalen is just better. Uh, and Why is a, that? I think, well, I think there's a couple reasons. I, when him and Porzingis are in a pick and roll, it's kind of scary uh, because Jalen becomes exactly what you want the ball handler to do in the pick and roll. You want him to be a dual threat, the ability to shoot the floater, the ability to – Throw it up for the lob dump. Jalen seems, for whatever reason, to be really comfortable running that with with Porzingis, and he's a problem because he again he has the ability to knock the mid range down. He can clearly throw the lob to Porzingis, and Porzingis can finish at the rim. So, not having that type of player around, it makes Jalen less than his best. And Jalen, it just feels as though he's falling back into some of those bad habits of just, you know, like there were, there were at least, I want to say at least three or four possessions where Jalen took shots and there was nobody under the rim except Pacers players. Yeah, now, he, now, shoots, now, he shoots sometimes, Jimmy. Like yeah. he hasn't shot in a while and he needs to take his turn. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that and it's it looks true. Well, yeah, he usually goes right into I mean, his offense a lot of times, even if he's being double teamed. You know, if he, he feels like if he feels like, you know, things are going his way, he feels like he's like a couple of layups away from turning it around. That's always been Jalen's approach. And, you know, even in this one, I thought it was interesting how in the last couple of seconds before halftime, it was like the, the only time in, in his career I've seen Jalen pass off, you know, the uh, the half court heave or whatever, but it was too little too late and it was an awful pass. But at least his head was in the right place. He was looking for the right – he made the right look. He just didn't have enough time and he put a little too much uh, uh, mustard on that pass. You know, I, I thought Jalen did some nice things tonight. I liked his aggressiveness early on in the game. I thought he was out in transition. He, you know, the Thunder – You always do, Jimmy, still. but it's the balance between exactly. playing within the flow of the offense and the aggressiveness. And when you have zero assists, you didn't strike that balance clearly. No, and, and that's been a problem. I mean, the, the zero assist is not just tonight. It's been an issue previous games as well. And, and I think, you know, you already touched upon it. When he's with that second unit, does does try to take it upon himself to lead the charge, if you will, but, again, falls into the into the habit of, I think, trying to do too much, forcing some of those shots, some threes tonight that I didn't like from him. I mean, he was what, I don't know, what he, oh, two, for, two of seven from three. So, again, not a good shooting night. 
you look at the points and you say, okay, 30 points, 14 of 23, not horrible. But is he giving the game what it needs at certain points? Minus 10 tonight. And there wasn't – when they weren't out in transition today, they didn't look good. Like the half court was out of sorts, I thought. It felt like nobody knew where they were going. Who, who was get, Yeah, it was clunky. That's probably the best word for it. And that's kind of like Jalen Brown. I feel like sometimes he's really clunky when he's not just out in transition, you know, using his athleticism. Yeah, and these numbers are staggering here. I don't know if these include tonight, but clean the glass, they got good on-off numbers. And when Jalen's on the floor, the Celtics are 11 points worse per 100 possessions, which is in the 14th percentile of any player in the league. Last year, they were six points worse with him on the floor, which was 21st. So those minutes where he's out there and Tatum's off have gotten even worse. They score seven fewer points per 100 uh, they give up four more points per 100 when he's out there. How much of that is a knock on Jalen, and how much of that is just Jason Tatum is just playing unbelievable basketball in more cases, in mo- like more so than... The than knock is that he, and I'm going to throw the money out there because that's just how it goes, he's a $300 million player yep. who, if the other star is out, can't carry the team. Right. And that's the killer right now. And this is what we debated when they signed the deal. Can you pay a guy who isn't going to be able to carry this team if the other star is out $300 million. It's tough. And for him to go in the opposite or worse direction, you know, get worse with those numbers this year, it's tough. And I don't know how to fix it. It's, it's the biggest problem on this team right now is where he fits in where he can help maximize their chances to win. And we thought it might be defense, six fouls in this game. He gives up that shot to Halliburton. Four-point play. I don't know. I've defended him over and over again, and I feel like he's been a little better than people have made it out to be to start this year. But at night like this, this is tough. I mean, he, he needed to be better in this one. Agreed. There it is. Facts, my dog from Sherrod. So, <laughs> I know what you're saying with that, Jimmy. <laughs> this is what I have to do in the John chair. <laughs> he was listening. Get out of here. Um, I want to shout out another great sponsor. Joe Sway saw it. Some people on Twitter might have saw it. What I, I was cooking oh, up man. a storm on Yo, Fresh this same, week. Same, bro. I'm Joe Sway was. What did you make? You made uh, pasta, right? Yeah, it was the. Um... Oh, you can make pasta. <laughs> I know it's not. It's not so basic. <laughs> no, you I was gonna let you water. Sway's famous spaghetti, everybody. Do your, do your read, Bobby. I'll tell you in a second. I, wanna, I don't want to butcher this. Let me get this right. <laughs> yeah, do your read. We'll get back to you on the. Uh, you know it you know it doesn't say hello fresh spaghetti. It says <laughs> no, it's what I saw. I don't know what else was in it, but uh hello fresh. It's America's number one meal kit for a reason. Why you get laid out instructions, you can customize what you get in your boxes each week, how often it comes, when it comes. It's completely customizable and they have seasonal recipes. Right now we're getting into winter, so I'm sure there's gonna be some more home style uh comfort food right now. I had a nice burger this week uh with a tomato onion glaze uh, i also oh, did a how do you uh, cook your burger bob um i do a medium okay that's, that's i keep it right. right average yeah, yeah so right with you jimmy look at you, <laughs> hey, hey, you good yeah. question to ask it's a good question it's a great that's question a jimmy question <laughs> um 
Great buns, too, by the way. All the accessories in it are great. They give you everything you need. It's pre-packaged, pre-portioned. And right now, they're giving you free breakfast for life. I told you, Jimmy. My box was filled with muffins, egg bites, like just piled up. I could have eaten for two, three weeks with this thing. It was unreal. Uh, and I love their product. It tastes great. It's fresh. It's on ice right when it gets to you. Yeah. You can cook it right away. You can freeze it, save it for later, do whatever you want there. But they're going to bring it to you consistently too. So you might as well just eat right through it there and take advantage of the free breakfast for life right now. HelloFresh.com slash CLNS free. That's HelloFresh.com slash CLNS free, a free breakfast item in every uh, box you're going to get as long as you use HelloFresh. So check it out. Yep. One of my and, favorite sponsors we've had here. And Joe's Joe way is going to autograph everybody's uh, spaghetti dish. <laughs> yeah, we had the best spaghetti. Send him a picture. FYI. Send him a picture of you with your spaghetti. So spaghetti what was the dish? Pasta, spaghetti pasta lovers out there, if you put that, if you let them know like that's your thing, you, you're gonna, they're going to load you up with spaghetti. And, and obviously there's that balance as well. <laughs> and if you ask me, man, the, the tomato herb spaghetti with a kick plus spinach. <laughs> It was spaghetti. Garlic <laughs> shinko. Man, tell let me tell you something, man. The uh I, I'm a I'm a fan of the uh what is it? The uh the uh, chili flakes, the red chili flakes. They said uh put it as much as, much as you want, man. I put fresh the whole, red. I put the whole bag in there, I had that nice kick with it. Uh the oh, okay. cheese, so you got that cheesy, you know, it's not like too tomato based, but you also have the uh the uh, that, that creamy side to it with the spinach. Oh, man, and the breadcrumbs, it topped it off perfectly, man. I'm telling you. And I made this meal in probably 35 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes, 35 to 40 minutes. Uh, I was taking my time with it, but uh, you guys could probably do it quicker, man. I'm telling you. 35 minutes for spaghetti. Damn, Joe. Chef Boy, our Joe Sway over there. <laughs> Yo, I'm taking my time. Or I was that watching was, the uh, soft spaghetti after 35 minutes. I was watching League Pass, damn it. It was, was uh, boiling that shit for a while. Does no, anyone, uh, no, dente, anyone, everybody don't, you, you know, don't mess it up. All right. Al dente. Cause when you warm it up, you don't want it to be all soggy. Right. So you cook it al dente. Oh, you're gonna cook it al dente. Yeah. That's you like usually I mean? four minutes. Yeah. That's how first. They're the best. <laughs> yes, they are. I'll tell well, you about another one next episode. Yeah. Well, hopefully we got some more coming. Cause, uh, Sherrod hasn't had enough meatloaf. I don't think yet. You can uh, never have enough meatloaf in your life. No, you can't. I want to see some more quotes coming in from, uh, Indiana. I'm interested to see how the players reacted to this one. I'm What's sure up with Holiday, Bobby? Yeah, he looks slow to he me. So first half, but after that, kind of dropped off. Uh, yeah, I'm at notes. Timberwolves took the top record in the league tonight. So Holiday came up limping. That's another reason I want to see some of the quotes coming out of this one. Right at the end, he I smashed knees with someone. I think it might have been Neesmith. Uh, mm-hmm. So he looks shaken up there, but he looks slow to me throughout this one. A little bit uninvolved. That hook missed early, rolled right out, and he fell uh, coming into this game to 45% from two, which is his lowest mark since uh, 2014 from two-point range. I'll pull up his numbers at the rim, too, because I'm sure that's a big part of it, but he's shooting 42% from the field coming into this one. Uh, Just 12 points a game, which is down from 19 last year. His uh, rebounds are up, but his assists are down as well. Uh, Shooting fine from three, though, at 38%. Again, didn't shoot well tonight at the three-point line, but... That had been a strength for him coming into this one. So I'd probably just chalk it up to him coming back from the ankle still here and still figuring out what his place is in this offense because they started so hot. They hit so many shots early on in the schedule, and I said it again. How's it going to look when the shooting comes back down to earth? And as you said, Jimmy, it looked clunky tonight. Mm-hmm. The spacing's not right. And it's a lot of guys just trying to jam the ball in in isolation 
back and down to the rim. And Tatum did a great job within the first half. Porzingis is awesome with it against the mismatches. Uh, but it's not a efficient shot for Holiday right now. As much as he tries to pound away at you know opponents and throw up a hook shot or you know that fadeaway three he shot early was really bad at the shot clock, just trying yeah. to throw the ball up there. So he's not finding his spot in the offense right now. And I think a lot of that stems from the guys who have the ball in their hands the most, Tatum and Brown. They have to you know get him involved in plays and get him touches. Backs my dog. <laughs> oh, that was no, a tough, that that play late too. I think it was right before the um the uh, and one three. Right. I was cruising Twitter. I was looking at quotes, and um, Derek White had just spoken, and he took he took a good chunk of the blame for uh, the second half issues that the Celtics had. And I think it was Sherrod that you mentioned it. Uh, yeah, he, he Derek just wasn't himself. I mean, the, the five turnovers, the defense or lack of defense, I should say, on, on Halliburton. And, and again, no no knock on Halliburton. He's a hell of a player. But Derek didn't provide the, the kind of resistance that you're used to seeing him put mm-hmm. on guys. And, and with him not being himself, Drew Holiday not being just a shell of himself, uh, that combined against a good player like Halliburton, you get nights like this where Halliburton gets a triple-double. Uh, so. It's- is this something to worry about with, with not to go back and forth, but we were talking about Drew and, and, you know, Derek White, I'm going to call that a one-off game. We know what he's yeah. capable of. We know what he gives them on a night and night out basis. And when he does it, you can see it tonight. Um, but Halliburton, I mean, he was, he was shaking Drew Holiday at point when that nice three-pointer that he had, he had Holiday coming out of his sneakers there for a second. So is that something to be more concerned about? Is he, is he playing through a little bit more pain than we, maybe we know? Is this just Drew Holiday? Is he is he uh, more more of this type of a defense? We all we all know about his defense, but is is he less on offense than maybe some of us thought he might be? I'm hoping that the the next few days off will be a chance for him to get his body closer to being right. Because I I still think that Jimmy, you kind of touched on it earlier. I, I do think that there's still some lingering issues slash effects from just you know the ankle, uh, and hopefully the next four days will help with that. But that that's no reason for him to be as poor defensively as he, I thought he was to, tonight. Uh, it's no reason. And, and Derek White, as you pointed out, Jimmy, I, I'm with you on that one. I think Derek has earned the right to have a game like this, particularly on a night when we saw some type of physical setback that he suffered that happened before he started to kind of play poorly and even even he acknowledged that he wasn't very good in the the second half and I I do think that he's going to probably be battling through something and have four days before he has to step on the court which would be great for him but Drew Holiday makes me a little bit nervous because remember before they signed him people were pointing and rightfully so Mm. how poorly he played in the playoffs last year and how many were questioning whether he had much if anything left in the tank and he comes to Boston and he does some good things early but he does just enough bad things to make you think that is this a one-off or is this like the the beginning of the end and I don't have a feel for that I I don't I I think there I think Drew is going to have a number of games like that between now and the playoffs if you're the Celtics you're just hoping and praying that he gets all that out of his system in the regular season and he can be that on the ball elite defender shot maker when he's open type of player that that has been kind of the hallmark of his career for the most part so I want to go back and watch it. 
I was going to say, I think a lot of us kind of had that in the back of our mind going into the season. But what made this situation so much different compared to last year was, one, you didn't have to be one of the top two players on this team. Compared to Milwaukee, like where Chris Middleton has fallen, like that's what they needed him to be. So that's not the case here. So I thought that that was a, a benefit in his in, in that regard, right, that you have Tatum and Brown and Porzingis in the mix as well. And then also the guy we're talking about as well, Derek White. I mean, having those two guys play off each other obviously takes a whole lot of uh, – that that pressure off of um of of, of Drew Holiday to be that you know to the to, to be that lockdown defender in the backcourt when he has that type of help but when both of these guys are banged up man there's a lot that the Celtics are giving up in that end of the floor well and that's real quick that that's another reason why I think we're seeing Brown maybe struggle a little bit you want Brown to focus on what he does best finishing finishing scoring and finishing you rely on guys like Holiday and White. And, you know, when Porzingis is back to do those other those other things and especially specifically the guards, right, Holiday and White, who came on to start the year. They were the best, in my opinion, the best guard tandem in the NBA, the way they started this year. Now, now they're dealing with a couple of things. And I think we're starting to see that trickle down because now you're seeing Brown have to try to do a little bit too much. I think Tatum, we, we probably haven't given him enough, enough criticism a little bit uh, as much tonight either. I thought he tried to do a little too much. He has some a couple of. Uh, Sloppy turnovers and his shot wasn't on tonight. So um, this was a game. This ga- this game kind of reminded me of past seasons where it was just like you were relying on those two guys to do too much, and and they tried to, and it didn't work out in the end. Um, they didn't roll over and die. I mean, it was a competitive game. It was a fun game. They made their they made their runs in that in that fourth quarter there, but ultimately you didn't get enough from anybody else on that team to make up for the lack of production that uh, Brown and Tatum were giving you down the stretch. The play that kills me late, this is actually right after the Halliburton four-point play. So they're down four, there's a minute left. There's five on the shot clock. Holiday just almost got in his hands on that Halliburton kick out. He should have stolen it and he dropped it out of bounds Mm -hmm. or he didn't quite get to it. I don't know what happened there, but Pacers get another chance. They run a down screen that gets Heo coming up high and both Tatum and Drew gets stuck on Neesmith and heels wide open for three. And that was pretty much the game right there, giving up that three to him. They turn the ball over right after, and then Neesmith dunks it to make it nine. So that's just that crunch time execution we keep talking about. They had been good with it early in the year. But in a moment like that, where you know have a couple shots left to tie the game, mm-hmm. you give up five points like nothing in just a few seconds there off some silly mistakes. So... It's a, it's a kill. I mean, you just got to out-execute in this game. You looked less athletic and fast in this team. And you looked less skilled in terms of the playmaking that Halliburton's able to do the other way and the lack of it you had on your offensive end. So, I don't know. This one just kills me for a bunch of different reasons because of the fact that the Celtics just kind of bow right out of this tournament that they should have been right in the thick of from the start and lose a couple bad games here to fall out of it. Uh, they pretty much got a free pass to get into it, too, playing that Bulls team. And it just continues the stretch of shaky offensive play that's been going on for a little while now with them. So, I don't know. It's, I just don't feel great about where they're at right now. They don't, to you know, go back to what you just said, Jimmy, they don't look very different, at least without Porzingis here. Right. I think recent do, teams. I think that's the biggest thing here. I mean, life without Porzingis. I mean, we knew... I guess now, based on these reports, it's not going to be you know long term in the sense of it's going to be two to three weeks. However, we see the difference. Like this team offensively, oh, completely, they're different. not the same without Chris Porzingis. and I think that they were trying to figure that out. But also, you have to remember other teams. 
they're going through their game plan on how to stop the Celtics, the team with the best record in the NBA, you're going to get everyone's best, right? And especially a team like the Indiana Pacers where you literally embarrassed the heck out of them, you know, not too long ago. And guess who was playing in that one? Chris Porzingis. So I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of motivated guys on the other side, right? And especially if you think about a team as, you know, they're playing. They're at home. They're hosting the Celtics. They haven't. A lot of these guys don't have a whole lot of deep playoff experience. And now this isn't necessarily the playoffs, right? But also, it kind of has that feel to it. This is like practice for a team like. But the why Indian. aren't the Celtics motivated too? I I I don't like hearing that because they're thinking because- about June, and a lot of these guys have been there, especially the the core. You know, sure, Drew Holiday's the only one with the championship ring, but a lot of these guys know how long this uh, this the season is. You know, it's it's a it's a. a, a marathon it's not a sprint you know what i mean so it's one of those things but also the way someone like tatum is playing compared to brown or other guys i mean tatum in my opinion has been very very consistent or at least just trying to uh, be a a better all-around player and i'm not quite sure if everyone is sort of on the same level or 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 at least making the same stride right now but it's tough i I really again i i think it's difficult for this offense without chris dasporzingis especially when the shots aren't falling you're turning the ball over and and these are things that the indiana pacers capitalize on yeah but uh, you know the the celtics this whole end season tournament for them was just kind of like this little you know this little off exit ramp to get on to and once they get off there, they're going to get back on the road towards winning a championship. But they don't need to get off there. They don't need to enjoy whatever is, is on this little end season tournament. They and because their goal, this is this is they don't really they didn't really care about this tournament. Uh, and they play like it. And I and Bobby, to your point, it bothers me because you really need to look at every game as if it matters. You need to look at every chance to get better uh, and prove that you're they're the best. Too often, team. too casual. Yes, they were. They're very casual in this game, and it may very well bite them in the ass. But what if you're a Celtics fan? You're hoping that they'll look at this game, they'll see how casual they were, and the next time they play Indiana, they will be closer to the team we saw the first game than they were the second one. Because Indiana always had the built-in excuse: we didn't have Halliburton that first game. Mm-hmm. We played you with him. That's what true. happened? Yeah. They, they they beat you. They they beat the Celtics. So. The Celtics, in Indiana's mind, they have a certain kind of confidence now that they didn't have before when they see Boston. Uh, and I and I mentioned this, you know, on the uh, you know on, on the Big Three NBA podcast. I talked about Rick Carlisle and just how Joe Mazzulla is, is still kind of going through that that learning how to out coach coaches. Uh, there's a, there's a definite mind game going on. Uh, you know, on the sidelines and Rick Carlisle is one of the best coaches in the game. Uh, and, and so Joe, I think is going to look back at this and, and look at some things he could do a little differently. Cause when you start dispersing the blame pie, Tatum absolutely deserves a good chunk of it. Jalen without question, Derek White, Drew Holiday, you go down. The only person I had, I mean, a I'm sick of the chat. The, the chat's, the chat's yeah, looking at Luke. The chat's looking at <laughs> Luke and Joe and just all these None of your core guys play well. Guys. None of your core <laughs> Look guys. Look at the two well. stars. Yeah, they they both yeah, were not it. good. They weren't. They put up to me. They played the McTatum and the McBrown game. Fast food, great, tastes good. Empty calories. <laughs> empty calories. I like that. We got the McTatum. Yeah. And we got the McBrown game. Empty calories. Tastes great. Love the numbers. Yeah. Substance. No. It's. 
making you better. You're not getting healthy off of that the Hello Fresh game that they were playing. This is this is fast food. It's nothing about what we got here. We just got a bunch of nice empty calories. This the last thing I got us. on this game. Yeah, last... Sorrell's a rapper in another life. Okay, Sorrell <laughs> got bars. The last thing I got what on this saying? game, and I'll go there just because the people want it. Do you have enough at that five position right now? Because they want to play bigger. You see they're hesitant to go small in this game, especially against the Turner, who is slicing them up on switches. But you have Luke out there for 17 minutes switching out to the perimeter, which isn't ideal for him. You can't play Kata in this game because of that style. And Horford was f- fine. You know, I, I thought he gave them a little bit of energy late. He was actually out of the game for a long time. I think you mentioned it, uh, Sherrod, that this wasn't played like a playoff game. If this is the playoffs, Al's probably closer to 40 minutes than 31. But he has 31. Yeah. He has that was, long layoff. Yeah. And he takes three shots, four assists, two turnovers, seven rebounds. It's a fine game. He had a couple of nice offensive rebounds late, but he only scores two points. So that, yeah. you're missing the offense from Porzingis there. And then with Luke out there, you're missing the defense of Al. Uh, and uh, Kata can't play in this game. So... It's one of those games I feel like they've held up well without Porzingis, but this one shows your vulnerability at center in certain matchups. Well, well one thing I would have probably tried just to just throw a wrinkle in there was to play, I don't know, the guy who used to play for them like last year, O'Shea Brissett. Might mm. have, it might have been a, a good wrinkle to throw out there. You can play a little five. It, it's Yes. And play a little five <laughs> against the team that he spent. You know, I would love to have seen him match up a little bit with Miles Turner. Uh, a guy that he's familiar with. I'm not saying he would shut Miles down or nothing, but his ability to switch out when Miles would would want to just you know set the high pick and roll, where Miles would step out for the three and hurt the Celtics either with his passing or his shot making. I think Brissett would have helped you in that regard. Or um, and tonight Mount might have been the night. Yeah, but Lamar Stevens just isn't gonna play, is he? I, I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm at I'm to the point now where you know I just want Lamar to just. I think we need to have a C for him in press row uh, game <laughs> at, the, at the Garden because, he, I mean, he's going to be doing the same thing we're doing. We this guy started this. 25 games last year and can't get a second. He can't get 25 seconds in Boston. I, I, don't, I don't get it. For a team that can use – and the thing about it, we talk about the Celtics. They, they're not that particularly deep at the wing position defensively. And Lamar Stevens, that's literally the one thing that he's shown the ability to do in the NBA is to defend the wing position. I keep telling myself that Joe Mazzula has his master plan where he's going to whip out Lamar when we least expect it. Maybe. And he's going to look brilliant. Because if, if they had sharpshooters in front of him, Shride, it would make sense. But you got O'Shea shooting 11% from three. Ban can't shoot at all, as we've talked about. And Pritchard has struggled in spots. So. Yeah. He's coming off a career year from three, Stevens is. He's not great, but he can hit him. Uh, he's worked on it a lot. He's not a zero from outside. So he's I don't a zero know what when it, it comes is. to play time. Yeah, he is. And <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. tonight might not might have been the night uh, just because he hasn't been out there at all. But at some point, I think you have to try him. They've tried everybody else here, and it really hasn't worked uh, with any of those other guys for any stretch of time here. They really want to get this Banton thing going, but it's not right now. So <laughs> They're pushing that so hard. No, Missoula is a fan. Like he, I think he sees himself in him or something. I don't know what it is. He, <laughs> he rants and raves about practice this and practice that. I'm like, he must just be shutting people down in practice for him to. Meanwhile, <laughs> Steven's having the worst practices ever. 
Exactly. He must be. He must maybe that's be. who he shut. Maybe that's who banned is shutting down. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And the uh, what what does John like to call them? The stay ready crew. <laughs> stay ready. Yeah. 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 SRCs. Keep those SRCs locked and loaded. Yeah, they're ready. looking. They're looking at Lamar like, yo, Ben's got you every time, man. Sorry, like, what you gonna do? Um, <laughs> we have a couple injury updates, or at least I hope we have more uh, to wrap this one. But I want to shout out SeatGeek, as Amit told us. Yeah, you could have seen the Pats for free with this promo code over the weekend. <laughs> they would SeatGeek would have paid you. You would have had some site credit left over. Yeah, you'd have beer money. You still have some beer money left over. You would have got fan points or something. Now you would have saw a horrific game in the rain, but you still could have gone for free. But there's a lot of good stuff that you actually want to see coming up. Um yeah, <laughs> Jimmy, I told you about Travis Scott. That's coming up fast here yeah. later this month. Yeah. Um, you got Celtics games. There's a home game on Friday now. I'm sure those tickets are going to roll out now that uh, uh, they've officially yeah. set this game. So a lot of that. And they give you your quality deal yeah. on here. The sales team is pumped over at uh, Causeway Street tonight. They get they get some some an extra game that they the get. employees got to figure out. Like, oh, it, Joe Sway and I were talking to some employees. Yeah, like, you, what okay. are we playing? So you remember that, right? Because yeah. they stopped Bobby and I mid conversation to go. Wait, if they lose, there's a game here. We're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, work here? Like, yeah, man. Yeah, you so that's gonna work this week? They're yeah, gonna get an email. A couple of days if they lose this. So they're gonna get an email right. tonight. Yeah. Yeah, they got so that email. They just got that email. Check it out. You might get a deal tonight. SeatGeek scores them. Green's great. Yellows uh, and yeah, lucky. Lucky's yeah. probably calling the crew up, being like, "Yo, can we got another game, guys? <laughs> ready?" Dreamers Pro, you gotta type Dreamers. Yeah, Pro use Dreamers Pro, and you're gonna get twenty dollars off your first order. I've used Seeky for years. Out. It's my go-to. Uh, it's a great app. Very Bruins easy to tickets use. Too. Lots of good deals. Bruins. Uh, you're gonna Perfect. have oh, a my. bunch of concerts coming up through the winter if you're traveling. Want to check out the Sphere? Are you going to Vegas? I'm not. But <laughs> <laughs> an hour. The first salty comment from Bobby. Actually, I missed the first like seven minutes, so he, I'm sure he had a few more comments. Salty comment. That guy's <sighs> yeah. He was a little downtrodden. Joseph. He was. It was like it was the worst since uh game seven against the Heat. I had the Denver t- tickets booked. True. And then third quarter, I'm like, boop. What hotel were you uh, thinking about staying yeah, at? You had the you Denver you had the finals booked. <laughs> Going into game seven, yeah. Trying oh, to get yeah. a deal. Oh, oh, okay. That makes sense. I thought you meant like when they were like, they, they oh, just no, 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 no. In game four, they're coming back. Oh. Going into game seven, I did the 24 hour thing. Uh, so that didn't work. This didn't work either. Hope everyone enjoys Vegas, uh, Indiana versus the Knicks or the Bucks. Uh, so go check that out. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I think that's enough mm-hmm. for tonight. Porzingis, I guess a quick injury update on him. He did go on this trip. Um, this is a graphic I got. Yeah. yeah watch him go off in that uh, loser's bracket game. The trip is now over. So Yeah, so he's going to head back home, get a couple practices in. He didn't practice on Thursday, so I think that's why he couldn't go tonight. He posted on Instagram that he was in Latvia, which confused a lot of people, um, but he wasn't. So... He goes on this trip, um, wasn't quite ready to go. I do think they win this game if he's out there just because of the matchups, but they played on the safe side as they probably should with him. He talked to us last week and said that they're being very cautious with him. This isn't an injury he's had before, of course. You do have worries about like other areas in the body being impacted by that strain. So 
Uh, I think he'll be back Friday. And um, yeah, that's what we got on that. I don't think there's anything out there on holiday. Anything? You know, no, I'll probably get an update in the morning. Yeah, and they'll practice this week, so we'll have some reports from there. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, on this one? This was tough for me to watch, and this is a tough loss all around for the Celtics just here. Get the shovel, dig it up, bury this bad boy, and, and yeah. just get ready for the next game. And stay away from them fast food games. <laughs> My final thought <laughs> is – Too many games like that. Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm sorry. No, you're don't good. Don't apologize to Jimmy. Yeah, don't apologize. That's my guy. That's my guy. I'm sorry, Sherrod. I didn't let you finish. He's all right. I'm done, Jimmy. But I, Jimmy. I, I need to do a – not a full apology, Cam, but I, I think I will say that I was more a little bit more interested in the in-season tournament than I originally thought I was. The play Because the players bought into it, I think, in some aspects more than I thought they would. I still don't care about the champion of it, but it was a little mm-hmm. bit re- – it was a little bit refreshing to see some different style of play, a little bit more like like running up the score. I like that. A little bit more in your face. I like that. I want I want these teams to remember that later down the season. Or maybe bring that energy. Bring exactly. that energy. I want, I want to bring that energy. If you can make a regular season game and make it just slightly more interesting, I'm all for that. So I'm I'm happy about it overall. I think that the grand prize at the end could be a little bit better or more interesting, but for for the first one, you know, I'll say you know, I'll I'll, I'll say I might have been not a hundred percent accurate on my original thoughts. That's the closest to an apology I'll get. <laughs> I don't Thank think it was good to be honest with you, but all right, I guess we can call that a semi-apology. Yeah. Um, I I think um you know going into the next game, we just got to keep a close eye on, on on White and uh and Drew Holiday. Just see how they respond to their to to what happened. I I think it is it's worth mentioning. It's worth keeping an eye on. I mean, uh, that backcourt is, is what I, is what essentially pushed the Celtics to being championship favorites. If you ask me, like, right. it's great for Drew holiday and you didn't give up white and, you know, putting those two together, obviously we saw what it looked like in the first 15, 16 games. So we want to see the Celtics return to that. And um, I, I think this is a great teaching moment for these guys, right? You, you, you look back at this loss, the way it, it unfolded in that second half, you, Go through those mistakes, those turnovers, and you you correct them. You know that's a that's that's the that's what you what you're supposed to do. You're still one of the top teams in the NBA and still talented enough to obviously get over this. However, uh, looking back on this, I think when it's all said and done, regardless of who wins it all, we're gonna look back at the end season tournaments and say teams like the Pacers and the Kings again, whether they win it all or not. This is really what this is about. You know what I mean? Like teams like that. So, well, I shouldn't say it's what the team what, that's what this tournament's about, but those are the type of teams that benefit most. And I think. We're seeing that in, in, a, in a big way in this game. Obviously, no Porzingis uh, didn't help the Celtics, but you you added, you you spiced things up a bit, and I think that that really motivated this Pacers team, along with, of course, the uh, the, the, the the huge L you gave them uh, earlier this season. And because of the way things broke down in this uh, in season tournament, you didn't have home court. Now, I'm not going to sit here and be like, man, Celtics really you know blew this one, and shame on them. However, they can learn from this, and like Sherrod said. Uh, they're back on the highway to the road to the uh, NBA playoffs and all that good stuff at the end of the uh, regular season. But there's still a lot of basketball left. So let's see if they can turn this around. And hopefully, maybe this could be the start of, uh, you know, one of those impressive stretches where they win, like, I don't know, 12 out of 15 or something like that. Who knows? Who knows? Well, you got a tough Knicks team potentially coming up. You got a Bucks team that you similarly punked last time you played them coming up here. And then... Uh, mini series against the Cavs and Magic. 
before you head out on the road. That magic one's going to be a good one, man. That yeah, before they head out, head out west. Yeah. Yeah. So it's well, a tough issue. That's probably not going to happen. But you're going to get you're going to get uh you're going to get tested, you know. And I want to see how they respond to that for sure. Toughest stretch coming up for sure, and they build that practice question. here. We no. could practice coming up, which is needed. They do look a little banged up in that backcourt, Joe Sway. So hopefully those guys get healthy here. Porzingis back. They need him badly. And uh, they are not going to win the in-season tournament here. Pacers moving on. They'll play the winner of the Knicks and Bucks, who play tomorrow. They'll play in Vegas on Thursday. Uh, and then we get the West game starting right now, too, with the Kings and the Pelicans. What's the score of that game right now? No idea. I think the Pelicans are up at the half by seven, I think. Yeah, 69-61. So we're going to go watch that. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. This is a frustrating one. Nice full chat here, though. Appreciate you guys being here, as always. Thanks to Sherrod for stopping by. Joe Sway. Uh, we'll be back at the Garden on Friday. Jimmy. Peace. Catch you soon. Enjoy the week here, everybody. Uh, check out our practice report, Celtics All Access. Uh, we'll you know tweet out when those are coming up this week. And uh, – other than that, um, we'll catch you again here soon. Celtics lose, eliminated from the in-season tournament, 122-112. to 112. This has been uh, the Garn Report Celtics postgame show.